Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. So happy to be here. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel today. If you have your Bibles, Ezekiel, that's in the Old Testament. Nobody goes to this book, but we're going to learn from it today. So it's going to be awesome. So Ezekiel is where we're going to be. Before I get started, uh, again, I just want to say just thank you. Uh, you guys, what I would be called our shareholders in Rise Church. Y'all invested and uh, not just invested, you know, your time and just really loving on me and Pastor Todd and the leadership team here and helping us grow our church. But you all invested money and resources, and we're doing incredible. And so just wanted to celebrate with you. Is that okay? Like, y'all, this is just like a shareholders meeting real quick. Just let you know what we're doing. And so um, we, we so we planted in San Antonio last October. And it, to say that God has been faithful is an understatement. He has absolutely been pouring out his favor and grace on our church. We've, we've seen, um, I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of people not just come to our church, but give their lives to God. You know, really take a moment and, and say, hey, you know, I, I tried this thing by myself, and it didn't work, and so I'm going to try now with God. And we've seen just really great life change happens. Marriages restored. Kids come back home. Come on. How many of y'all like need that right now? You know, and just see families really just kind of come together in Christ. And so we average right now in the summer, we've been growing and we almost around 450 people on an average weekend. And so, uh, yeah, it's just incredible. And so we're two services now. We're going to go three services in like two weeks. So pray for me because I have to speak three times on a weekend. And that could be a lot for anybody. And so uh, it's just, I just want you to, you share. The reason I tell you that is you share in that. That's your win. Because we're part of your family. And we get to go out and be a part and, and do it in a different part of the country. But that's, in, that's you, you guys were investors in the kingdom. And you saw, listen, how many of y'all would like to go when you give something about you? Like, I'd like to see a return. You're seeing a return. And so I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of our church, all of our staff, and our volunteers who are doing it right now. And I was just watching it on, online. I'm like, you know, watching my executive pastor. I'm like, yeah, I, I have a Nate Sagai there. You know, he's not as, probably as good as Nate Sagai or as good looking as Nate. And so uh, and I've known him for almost 20 years too. So, but uh, he, we're doing great over there. So I just want to say thank you. Can, can, can I just say that? I'm just so honored, so happy to be a part of that. Give yourselves a hand clap. Y'all are doing, y'all are amazing. Love Pastor Todd and Tara Lee. Love your Pat. He, he, uh, he has been an uh, incredible uh, friend to me in the last, uh, really the last, I, I'd say two decades, about 16 years. I, we, the way we know how long we know each other, Tara, is because uh, Peyton uh, is about the time, his age is the time I met them. And so when he was born, and so I tried, they were at a church on Sunday morning. I tried to come up and like touch their baby. And she's like, don't touch my baby. And so if you know Tara Lee, that's exactly what happened. So... Um, yeah, it was awesome. But uh, Ezekiel chapter 47 is what we're going to be at today. And so Ezekiel's an interesting book. You know, I don't know if you ever like, I, I never, as a pastor, I never say, hey, if you're starting out in Christianity, you should go read Ezekiel, uh, you know, because it's confusing. And and what I always tell people, like, every time you open up the book Ezekiel, it has a, a, a caption to it. And it's it, the, the caption is, the whole summary of the book is, it's complicated. Because the book is complicated. And if you're not careful, you can get really confused. In fact, I've been a you know, Christian most of my life. I don't even read in the book of Ezekiel. There are scholars who are confused about the book of Ezekiel. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read a specific passage of Ezekiel kind of towards the end of the book. But I want to give you some context before we even get there because I want you to know what, what's kind of happening. So Ezekiel is what we call a, a major prophet. We say major. So he's not a major prophet. There's two types of prophets in the Bible. There's a major and minor. And the only difference is really the length of book that they wrote. So he just wrote a lot and he became 
became a major prophet. That's awesome. And so he's a major prophet in the book, uh, in the Old Testament, and he's what we call a prophetic book or, or a, a poetry book. In fact, the, all throughout, really, Ezekiel, it's it's very, very uh, prophetic-driven. It's it's poetic. It's got imagery. It's got confusing ways that they say things. And if you're not careful, it's not even some, it's parts written chronologically, some it's not, and it's confusing for a lot of people. But um, really, the, the summary of the book is first part is a lot of, uh, you know, judgments from God and a lot of prophetic warnings from God to Ezekiel, who was a priest inside of the, the, the kingdom of Israel or in the Jerusalem area at that time around 597 BC. And so he's, uh, the book of the, the, the book of Ezekiel actually gets to a point where he's sitting by a river. Uh, he's about 30 years old. And the Bible says he has a kavod or like a glory moment with God. So God's having a moment. And he's starting to talk to him. And then Jerusalem falls in chapter 33. And then after Jerusalem falls, all the warnings that happen, you know, that happens. And then post that God's saying, look, you can make it like he starts to move to speaking to Ezekiel in a way that's saying, let me give you a, an idea of redemption. Let me give you what God wants for you. Now that it, this is, you know, maybe the worst has happened. How many of y'all have ever had that where your life goes wrong? And then now you really just look into God, this kind of, I want my grace moment with God. God, I want you to redeem what the enemy meant for harm, right? How many of y'all need that right now? Like I need something like God, you need to come into my life and, and fix this thing. And so that's kind of what happens. And then towards the end of the book, this is kind of an interesting in chapter 47, where we're going to be, it, there's a moment where in his prophetic vision, he's taken on a tour of what we would consider to be kind of the new temple in this time. And out of the temple, there's this river and he's on a tour and the tour guide's talking to him about your things. And so in, in, in the, in the, in the prophecy, the river comes out and then we pick it up in verse three in chapter 47. So that's kind of where we're at. He's in the middle of his vision. He's at the end of his book and he comes out and he says this, it says, as a man went eastward, this is the man, the, the tour guide, he was measuring with a line in his hand. He measured off a thousand cubits and led me to the water that was ankle deep. Remember, say ankles. Okay, so think and imagine a river. And so the tour guide leads him out into the river and he's ankles deep. And then he goes, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. Everybody say knees. Okay, so he started as ankles, then he moves to his knees. Y'all see where we're going with this, right? And so he measured off another thousand and led me through the water, which was up to my waist. Everybody say waist. Waist. Okay, so now he's a little deeper in it. And then he gets to the point in verse five, he says, he measured off another thousand. But now it was a river that I could not cross because uh, the water had risen and was deep enough to swim and ever say head. Yeah. So at this point, he's in over his head and a river that no one could cross. It's interesting to me. So there's two takes on this type of passage of scripture scholars would would debate. Some scholars believe that this is a literal prophecy of what's going to happen kind of towards the end of days. Like when Jesus comes back, does extreme home makeover over the world, right? He makes everything bad, good. And now we're, we're like dining with him. Like this is going to happen with us and we're going to have our own tour guide. That's like some scholars kind of depiction of it. Then there's another camp of scholars that believe this is really more symbolic in nature, really showing us that in life, we have moments where we can step into the presence of God, but we all have a step. And so some of you in here, you're, you're not even a Christian. You're in here. You somehow got coerced into here because someone promised you lunch and you might be standing at the riverbed of really God's presence. And you're like, I don't know about this thing. 
It's confusing to me. It's maybe moving a little too fast. Maybe it's a little complicated. It feels a little cold. You ever been to the churches that feel cold, right? And, and they got into the waters of faith a little bit, but it felt too cold and they stand back out. Maybe that's you. But, and so your, your first step is to get an ankle deep. Maybe you've been in ankles, right? Like you're, you're kind of tiptoeing in this thing called the church and being around God. And so maybe you're a priester, right? You come on Christmas and Easter only. And so you just, you're, 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 you're in, but then you can get out easy. You're in and then you can get out easy. And then, and then there's, there's some of you and you're, you're at your, you know, you're, you're at your, you're at your, your waist. And so now you're here and you're serving and you're, you're a part of it. And, and even in the Bible, a lot of times waste symbol, symbolizes serving. You know, even when Jesus was washing the feet, he wrapped the towel around his what? His, his waist. Why? Cause he was serving. It's symbolic. See, y'all are Bible scholars. You didn't even know it. And so like waste. And so some of you in your serving, and some of you are just full on into the local church. But here's the funny thing about, about, about the presence of God is that all throughout scripture, water inevitably represents the presence of God. And so I thought we would use this, this passage of scripture today to kind of give us maybe some insight to what next step we could take as a church. Because y'all have a next step. Every one of us has a next step for us to take. And so maybe this message can encourage us to take our next step. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we just love you today. God, thank you that you're here. Lord, I know that right now you have a word for each and every one of us. I know that our hearts are open at this point for you to speak to us. And Holy Spirit, do something with, God, what the words maybe that I've prepared that God, we can just, man, be empowered to take our step, to empower to do what only you could do through us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Um, every time I read this story about a river, I think, uh, or, or I read a story about water or rivers or anything like that inside of uh, scripture, I actually inevitably think of a story I had uh, when I first went whitewater rafting in Humboldt County. Has anybody ever done that? Like Northern California, whitewater rafting in Humboldt County. If you haven't done it, it's an experience, man. Because um, you, you can't do it and, and not have interesting people that you meet in Humboldt County. Now, has anybody ever been to Humboldt County? Raise your hand. So y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? And so out there, there's some unique people, and my wife took me uh, to to go whitewater rafting on my birthday uh, one year, and so she takes us out. I'm from this area. This is where I'm from. So we, you know, we drive up to Humboldt County, and we're getting to, we start driving into the mountains, and we start getting around all the granola people, and it's awesome, and, and we're like walking around, and it's organic, everything, and everything's made of hemp, and you know, and everything's like, you know, all earth and mother earth, and you know, you got to hug the tree, and like, I'm cool and everything, you know, so we're there and uh, we, we sign up and I walked by this thing that said whitewater rafting uh, for beginners, you know, and I'm like, that sounds great. I want to do that. So she, she goes, I, I said, babe, can we do that for my birthday? She goes, yes. I'm like, this is awesome. So we sign up, we show up the next day and I'm standing and the river kind of where we're supposed to be. And it's me and of several other people who are like signed up for this and we're looking for our guide. And I see this guy and he's like in the corner, like under a tree. I'm not kidding you. He was eating granola. And I'm like, this is an interesting character over here. He's got, he's dreadlocks, right? He's, he doesn't look like he's shaved for a few days ish, thousand days. And so like, I'm looking at him and he's kind of, he's, he's, he's talking to himself. He's having a conversation and no one else is around. Now that's not normal, right? I'm confused by that. So he's over there and I'm like, that's guy, man, I, I want to go like, man, I'm going to go share the love of Jesus with him. I hope he's okay. You know, and I'm just praying about him and, and I'm like, where's our guide? All of a sudden he stands up and starts walking towards us and says, hi. I'm your guide today to go right whitewater rafting. And at that point, I'm, I got concerned. <laughs> because you would be concerned if you, you saw, you know, you know, someone who's, you know, like that over here, you know. And so he's about to lead us and he goes, hi, my name 
is Sequoia. I'm not kidding you. That was his name. And I go, that's a tree. He goes, no, that's my name. I said, okay, I, sure. All right. So he's, he Sequoia starts to walk us through how to get on the river. So he walks us through a bunch of little things. I'm concerned. I'm nervous. And he, so we get on the raft. We start walking down the, we start going down the river and I, you know, there's twists and there's turns and there's bumps and we get down to all these things. I honestly, I had a great time. I loved it. In fact, I want to show you a picture of me. Can I show you a picture of me? Whitewater rafting. They kind of have that. This is me. Whitewater rafting. If you look really close, I'm just kidding. That's not me. This is just a Google picture of whitewater rafting. And so this is what I did though. Okay. And so this is, this is, this is, I'm telling you, it's powerful. This is not floating. Like, you know how people get on the river in the Midwest. I was in St. Louis for a few years and they did this thing called floating and you just got Tara, you know what I'm talking about? Yankee, you're from Michigan. So like she, she's, you get on the river and you get in these donut things and you sit and then they have like a cooler full of water, you know, or something next to you. And so colored water. And so there, you know, it's flow and you just float down there. That's not what I did. I whitewater rafted y'all. And it was awesome. And then we get to the end of the river and I don't know if you've ever been whitewater rafting, but it's always spawned. The end is sponsored by Satan. It's always like devil's crack or, or Satan's, you know, you know, armpit or, or, or the cave of Lucifer, you know, that's how you end. And, and so he sponsors the end of the raft trip. And so we get down and we get out and it was, it was awesome. I had a great time but but so but the point of the message the story i have a point oh yeah okay so the point the point of the story is that when i walked out and started that day and i stood by the riverbank there were a lot of kind of kind of types of people you know there were some people standing on the on the shore that didn't get in they're too scared nervous there were some that were kind of knee deep into it they were kind of like hey i'm just you know, I'm just filling this thing out. You know, I, I don't know if I'm ready to, to, to get in. There were some that got into the raft and then I actually saw them say, sorry, this is not for me. And they got out, which I probably should have did. And then there were some who were just genuinely enjoying the time on, on the water. And, and what I've noticed about Christian culture is that, and maybe just in life, have you ever noticed that, that that's, that's, that's life, right? That we have the, the rivers of life and there's, there's all kinds of people. There's some people you know who are are just standing on the shores, really not doing anything with their life. Maybe there's some of you in here that you're, you're kind of in it and you feel like you're in it, but it feels cold. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like you're fulfilling your potential. It doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel warm. It feels cold. Some of you in your, to your waist, you know, and you feel like, man, just my rivers of, of life or the rivers of my faith, even with God, right? You're serving. And, and at some point you just start to feel like, I don't know if this is what God's best is for me. I mean, has anybody ever asked those questions? You know, like, I don't know if I'm in the right place at the right time. And then there are some who, who really full on enjoy, enjoy life in the raft. And so the constant is God's, I think, faith. The constant is life, the constant, but the, the difference is, is really how we interact with it, isn't it? Like how you interact with life is really what you get from it. And so today I thought I would use my conversation with Sequoia at the riverbank and how he said to, the best way for us to enjoy the river, the best way for us to enjoy our life, the best way for us to enjoy our faith even with God and so I'm going to use that as the backdrop today. So the first thing that Sequoia said, three ways we can be effective on the water. The first thing he said is he says, you have to stay in the raft. Deep thoughts. 
from Sequoia. He gets up there and he's like, listen, I don't want to say this, but I have to, you know, here's the big deal. If you want to enjoy the raft, if you want to enjoy the river, if you want to have a good time today, you need to stay in the raft. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? Like, that's the whole point why we're here. Like, of course, I want to stay in the raft. Like, of course, I want to be in the raft. This is why I got here. He goes, you don't understand. Once we get on the water and you start feeling stuff, people fall out. I'm like, what? You're here to make sure that doesn't happen, Sequoia. He goes, no, I'm just telling you it's going to happen. And I'm not kidding you. As he's telling us people are going to fall out, people were falling out in the river behind him. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. And, and, and he goes, so you just gotta, you gotta stay in the raft. The interesting thing about life I've noticed is that it's not a simple, normal, quiet, kind, calm, birds chirping, floating on a inner tube with water next to you, like kind of river. Life typically ends up being whitewater rapids. And if you don't know that, you haven't lived long enough. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, give it five minutes. And you're going to feel something soon. And what he was saying was, he was saying, listen, like, once we get on that rock, once you get in that water, once you get where you're trying to, I'm telling you, you better stay in that raft, because otherwise you ain't going to enjoy it. And once you fall out, it don't feel good. And I believe this. This is important. A lot of us, you know, when we come to the, to, to our, our, the waters of our faith, when you come to God, pastors like us, we, not, not, not anybody else, me, sometimes we can ruin it for people because we could say things like, and in our good intentions, because we believe that if you, if you give your life to God, you will be better at life and you will have God and it'll be, it'll be a great thing. But have you noticed that when you gave your life to God, the rivers of life didn't calm down? In fact, they almost got worse, didn't they? And so if you're not careful, you can jump in full force to this thing called Christianity. And if you don't have the right thing in place to help you navigate it, you can be in trouble. In fact, that's why I gave my life to the local church. Somebody asked me there, they go, so pastor, why'd you become a pastor? You're like, you couldn't do anything else? I'm like, thanks. <laughs> no, I, you know, I went to university. I wanted to be a politician or a lawyer. Some of you in here are like, that makes total sense. <laughs> Like I was literally on my track when I met Pastor Todd. I was going to school to be in political science. That's not even a degree, real. But I, I was going to. I want to be in politics. And 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 so, the reason I decided not to do that and to give my life to the local church is because I believed it was the one thing that God created to help us navigate the rivers of our life. It was the thing that God established, Jesus established on this earth before he left. He said, go and make disciples. He said, you go. It's the great co-mission that it's not just Jesus's mission. It's now our mission. And so we're building the local church, not because we want to have a cool place so we can play cool music and meet cool people. It's because we are on a mission to reach the world for Jesus, right? So if it's a great co-mission, then I want to be a part of that. And I give my life to building something to help people do that. And so for me, getting in the raft and staying in the raft is huge. Like God sends us the local church. He sent you this church to help you navigate the waters of life. You're not in here by accident. You thought you came here just because your friend invited you. You're wrong. Someone prayed you in. God has a plan for your life. He wants you to be in this place. He doesn't want you to get knocked out. 
And Sequoia said something funny. He goes, you know, there's two things really that'll help you that will literally knock you out of the raft. He goes, here's what I'm telling you to stay in it is because you got to be mindful of two things. He said, the first thing is if you're not careful, you're going to fall out if you don't anticipate the turns. So you are in the local church. Okay. Let's just say we're here now. We're all assuming y'all are hundred percent in and Satan would like nothing more for than for you to fall out. Okay. And remember he sponsored the end of the thing. So he, you know, devil's crack. So, all right. So. We want you to stay in the church. We want you to stay in the raft. We want you to stay here. And if you don't anticipate the turns of the raft, you're going to fall out. He said this. He goes, he goes, the number one place that people fall out of the raft is when the river turns, when the raft turns, they didn't see it coming and then they fell out. That's so good for us as a church, as a growing, life-giving church that this church is, that New Beginnings is, that Pastor Todd and Tara Lee and Pastor Nate and all these guys are, are setting up for us, is that if you're not careful and if you get comfortable, come on, right? If you're not ready for the turn, as soon as it does make a change, you're going to fall out. And I've always noticed, I've always laughed because like people leave churches when change comes. Y'all know that, Right? Like we, I met this one pastor. He's like, we changed the bulletins. The church split. <laughs> like the bulletin, the bullet, the thing you print out and hand to people. They're like, yeah, we stopped doing it. And half people revolted, said that ain't godly. Okay. And if you're not careful, right, you could get comfortable coming into this church. And as soon as something changes, it, it makes you feel like, mm. and if you're not careful, you if you didn't see it coming, you, you fall out. So you might come in here, right? And the church is growing and someone comes in. I'll give you an example. This is nobody in here. This is in my church at home. Uh, but if you, if you walk in and someone's sitting in your seat, <gasps> like, like there's some church, like, come on, not you guys. There's some churches where if you came in and your seat was taken by a visitor, that was you, you, Hey, you're sitting if you're not careful, if change comes, if something happens, if something tweaks, something adjusts, something, come on, you could fall out. And so what we need to be as followers of God, as people who want to stay in the raft, we got to anticipate the turns. We got to say, not hope this place doesn't change. We want to go, man, we want this thing to change. We can't wait for the change happens. We're ready for the change because as soon as change, ha- change signals progress, doesn't it? Like change is a good thing. I've noticed like I talk to people and they're like, man, I don't want anything to change in my life because it's peaceful. Shalom. There's a difference between peace and the way God talked about peace when it came to like the idea of shalom and inactivity. Because some people say these funny statements and they think they're godly like, I'm not going to do it if I don't have peace. Oh, then you didn't read the Bible. Because most people who were on purpose, on time, did what God asked them to do, didn't have peace. See Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I get what you're saying. You're like, I need to have peace. And I think there's a corporate level of peace. You need to not do crazy things. But let's not excuse inactivity or laziness in our own Christianity, laziness in our faith. When we believe, like like we believe, if God's going to do something unique in me, he's going to have to change me. Like I'm not the same person I was yesterday, thank God. My wife thanks the Lord every day for that. We got to anticipate the turn. Second thing he said was this. It was interesting. He says, you have to adjust to the bumps. You have to anticipate the turns and then you have to adjust to the bumps. And the bumpiness of life can be really, really hard on some people. I remember it was, uh, we were, we were living here. I was a pastor at this church 
and we had our third baby. I have five boys and, um, I don't, I don't know. And, uh, so I have five boys and the third one that came, we had twins right away. And then we had Titus and Titus came out and, and the twins were such a hard pregnancy. And I mean, I'm a pastor at this church. God's doing things. I'm sacrificing for him. And, and like something happens to where like my wife starts to have like right in the middle of the pregnancy, she starts to have bleeding and complications in the pregnancy. She had to go to the doctor several times. And I remember having a conversation with God going like, God, like, have you ever done this? I'm, maybe you, you haven't, but I do this kind of regularly. Well, I'll try to talk to God in my prayer time and convince him of all the good things that I've done on his behalf. Like, hey, I just want to remind you, I know you're probably busy with a lot of other things, but like I'm a pastor. I'm like trying to do this stuff for you, God. Like this shouldn't happen to me. Anybody else do that? Anybody? Anybody? Honest? All right, we got one. Okay, great. We got one. Uh, but, but like sometimes if we're not careful, we can kind of, because we weren't ready for the bumps, because we weren't ready for the thing that just came out of nowhere. Come on. You're riding in the raft of life. Come on. And, and you, everything was good. And then all of a sudden, some, some, some happened. Some happened. Yeah, you, did, you didn't know. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't see it coming. And then you felt the bump and you were like, and if, it, and if you're not careful, if you don't adjust to a man, that thing can knock you right out of the raft. And, and when you're not in the church, that's not where you're, you're supposed to be because in, in the raft, it was safe. And in the, in the raft, you had, you had clarity and you had leadership and you had people around you. And, and isn't it interesting that sometimes you know that you know people in life that something majorly bumpy came along in their life, knocked them out of the church and they're still floating around, don't know where they're going. Isn't it true? And, and Sequoia, as unique as he was, he had it going on. He said, listen, man, you got to adjust because it's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. In fact, James, he says, he says this, he says, consider it joy. Whenever, everybody say whenever. Not if ever. He said, something's going to happen when you face trials. He's like, consider it joy. Like, you got to understand that the rivers of life and the rivers of your faith is not calm. It's bumpy. And the best Christians, the ones who make it to the end, right? The ones who make it to the end are not the ones who rode an easy life. They were the ones who were able to adjust, anticipate the turns and adjust to the bumps. And they got to the end. Like you're supposed to get to the end. I think the greatest Christian life is one of, is full of redeemed bumpy moments. It's like the thing that the enemy planned to kill you, to take you out. That, that Jesus surrounded you with like a growing life-giving church to help you adjust to everything that the enemy's thrown at you. Could it be today, could it be that God's speaking to you about your relationship with the church could it be that, that God's speaking to you today about how often you are in this raft? Whether or not you take it for granted. Let me just tell you, a life-giving church like this is not normal. Statistics show that most churches are shrinking and dying. Could it be that God's speaking to you today about your value and how you see the raft? Second thing he said was this. Sequoia gets up there and he goes, all right, now that you know. You stay in the raft. Number two, you need to follow your guide. So you need to follow your guide. And guess who your guide is? Me. And I was like, oh, help me. And he's like, he's like listen, the only way you're going to make it through this, the only way you're going to have a good time is if you listen to me. He says, I know you've watched YouTube on how to do rafting. 
But I'm the expert. He says, I'm the leader. Here's my job. He says, I have three jobs. He goes, I want you to have a, a great experience. I want you to be safe. And I want you to get to where you're going. So I want you to have a great experience to be safe and I want you to get, I want to get you where you're going. I want you to have a great experience. I want you to be safe and I want to get you to where you're going. And I was thinking about that. Like when it comes to the church, like there are leaders in the church. That's my job. That's my job description as a pastor, as a leader in the local church that there we're going to be. Okay. So now that you're in the raft, now we got to figure it out. Where are we going? And when you know your leader, who your leader is, you know where you're going. And what he was saying to us, he was saying, look, I, I know you think you understand how to do this thing called life, like and raft and do all this stuff. But if you're not careful, like you might bring in your own idea of what the raft and what rafting is supposed to be like, because you listen to a great message. And now you know how church is because you watch something from a podcast from a pastor on the other side of the world. And now, you know what Christianity, right? That never happens in churches. And if we're not careful, once you get in the raft, that's the first step. Now that you're in it, you got to follow your guide. You got to follow your guide. Acts talks about it a little bit. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of your flock, which by the way, side note, this isn't even in my notes. He's talking to leaders. He's saying, listen, you need to pay a careful attention to yourselves first. So if you're a leader in here, if you lead in business, if you lead in your family, if you lead in the church, if you lead in, in some part of area, maybe it's a corporate America or something like that, you need to realize your first responsibility to lead is you. Because if you go down, Everything goes down. That's the only reason why I'm here, right? That's why I'm here is because I left my church. I'm like, I need a break from y'all. I got to take care of me so that I can take, come on, right? It's the whole, uh, when you get on a plane and you're sitting next to your, your child, what do they say? Whose mask you put on first? Yours. That's counterintuitive. You should take care of yourself as a leader. Then he says to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which you obtained by his blood, which by the way, the church of God is extremely important to God because it costs Jesus his blood. And so you can't separate the two. I love it. Like people talk to me all the time. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't love his church. It doesn't work like that. Because technically in scripture, Jesus has the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. He's coming back for the bride of Christ. He's coming back for the church. And if you're not careful, you can say, it's like saying, Aaron, I love you, but your wife is crazy and I don't like her at all. Can we have a relationship? And eh. wrong answer. Cause you would say the same thing. And so God says, listen, the church is important and, and, and your guides, the leaders I put in place, man, you got to listen to them. They're trying to get you somewhere. And he said something interesting. He said, he said this statement I thought was interesting. He said, paddle how you want. He pulled up one of the like paddles that he had. He said, paddle how you want, but don't stop and hold it correctly. I was like, what does that mean? He goes, paddle how you want. You can paddle slow. You can paddle fast, but you better not let it go. And you better hold it correctly. What he was saying is he's saying, look, everybody's going to come into this raft a little different. Little different gifts. Some of you are going to come in swole because you've been to the gym and you've been working out. Hashtag workout life. And you're going to come in with a lot of gifts and a lot of muscle. Some of you are going to come into this raft and ain't going to have any muscle. You're not even going to know what's going on. I'm just saying, follow what I'm saying to you. Paddle how you want, but don't stop and hold it correctly. Isn't it true 
that the greatest families are ones, the greatest organizations, the greatest churches are built of people who have gifts, but they come to the leadership and they say, I'm submitting my gift to you. Show me how to use it best in this place. Now, I grew up in a weird church, to say the least. And what we did was, is we said, I got a gift you need to recognize because I'm somebody and I'm a paddle and do whatever I want. If I want to let it go, I'm going to let it go. I want to hold it this way, I'm going to hold it that way. Like I'm going to hold it how I want. Step aside. Don't you see how gifted I am? And, and they reverse the scripture like where the, where the Bible says your gift will make room for you. And you think you got to make room for your gift. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Sequoia had a good idea. How many of us in our churches right now, let's say you come in here and you're gifted. You need to know this, that your gift is needed. Number one. Your gift is needed. It's not that you're not needed. It's not that you're not gifted. It's not even that you don't have a place. You have a place. But the best rafts I saw on the river that day, they were all listening to the guide. Hey, we're going to paddle here. Stop. Go left. Left side. Left side. Paddle. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. They were all listening to the guy. They weren't all doing their own thing. And the greatest churches are not mixed up of the most strong and most talented people. The greatest churches are mixed up of the gifted people submitting their gift to the leadership. So when you come in here, I always tell people at our church, like when you show up on our team, this is our team. Like you ain't bringing your team to, we ain't joining your team. You joining ours. So you might have been a New England Patriot at one time, but this is Niner country, right? Slash Raiders. So, I mean, it's like, but when you show up, how would it, how, how ridiculous would it be if I walked up into the Niner camp with a Raider jersey on, right? As twisted as that is, we do that with churches. Isn't that the truth? We bring what all of our baggage, all of our issues, all of the way that our old coach yelled at us and how all our other teammates didn't help us. And then we come in and we say, hey, uh, we're here to serve, but we only want to do it this way at this time with this money and this level and this time. Come on. If you're not careful, you don't follow your guide. And I think maybe the best types of churches at least that i've seen is where the gifts are submitted the gifts are submitted pastor todd where can i serve here that could better help the raft help the church help the family pastor nate like i'm trying i feel like i'm gifted i feel like i have something to offer i feel like i have something to gain i feel like i have something something to 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 really help grow the church where do you feel is best suited for me do you know what that can do for a leader because if a guide if a leader has that then he knows how to be strategic with it. And we all get to where we're trying to go. The question you really should ask yourself, is my gift submitted to the benefit of the whole? Like, is it submitted? Is it really? Are you? Are you really submitted? Have you really taken the chance, taken the time to submit your gift? And be okay with you not getting your way. Could be. Third one is this, and I'm wrapping it up. Sequoia rounded it up. The last one, and I thought it was really good. He said, third thing you need to know, listen, 
when someone falls out, and I'm like, you keep saying that. Like, I don't understand. There's no life. There's not enough life jackets for me to get on this thing. You keep saying someone's going to fall out. And you know what's funny? Someone did fall out. It was my wife. I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, she would push me out. Uh, someone fell out. And he said, here's what happens. When someone falls out, help them out. He said, help others around you. He said, we're a family. He literally used that term. So we're family. We, we got things we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're trying to get, it's not just getting to the destination. That's not the win. It's getting to the destination together. But say together. So it matters. The person that you're sitting next to, if they're not in the raft with you doing, helping, growing, doing the great commission together, you need to have a burden for that. Like it's not the pastor's job. I always, like I love saying this to our church because it makes them mad. So it may make you mad too. It's not the pastor's job to grow the church. You know who's the, whose job it is to grow the church? It's going to be like mind-blowing for you today. You ready? Everybody raise your right hand. Just just come on. Just put it up. Just like you put deodorant on this morning and you're confident, right? Speed stick Gillette. All right, here we go. You. It's your job. It's your job. The empty seat next to you should be a burden to you. The person who doesn't know God sitting next to you could be a burden to you. It's like my husband. I get it. Yeah, I get it. That should be a burden to you. You grow the church. We got to get to where we're going together. If I say together. He said it's important. Leadership is not about multiplication. It's about duplication. It's, a, it's, a, it's like, well, what do, what do we want to do? I, I want you to grow with me. And if you don't have the burden of reaching your neighborhood, reaching your colleagues, reaching your family, reaching your friends, reaching your your like group and, and maybe you have like a circle that you connect with and they don't go to church and you don't have a burden for reaching them for God, that's, a, that's, that's not good. Because you were invited into the great co-mission to help people find their way. I love that when, when we left, I remember sitting and having a conversation with Pastor Todd. And I was, I was kind of figuring out, like, I wanted to make a transition. You know, I was like, man, I feel like my time at, at New Beginnings is maybe coming to an end. But I, I don't know, Pastor. Will, will, you, will you help me? Right? Like, so submit it, right? Come on. Submit your gift. I, got, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Should I just ask Pastor Todd? So I, ta- I sat with him. And, and he helped me create what was going to be Rise Church several years ahead of time. He had this idea. He said, look, man, I don't, I'm not trying to just get to my destination. I'm trying to get to my destination with a bunch of people. And you winning is me winning. Come on. Could you imagine if we had a church full of people who felt like, man, it is my job to help others around me? Isn't it a shame that you can go to churches and when people fall out of the church, they go, yep, that's what they get. Well, they deserve it. They weren't paying attention. And we can qualify all the reasons they fell out. But the truth of the matter was, whenever someone fell out of the raft that day, we stopped what we were doing and there was nothing else that mattered. Come on. Nothing else mattered in that moment but to stop and get that person who fell out. Can we be a church? When someone falls out, when someone gets bumped out, when someone hits a turn and they are, they're no longer with us, could we be the church that doesn't go, yeah, that's what you deserve? Well, we go, like, I got to stop everything. You don't realize, man, that guy was coming and he was regularly attended and he was a part of it and then somehow he just disappeared. I'm going to go get him. 
Because if I don't go get him, he might not get where he's supposed to go. And there are a lot of people in Christian circles who are floating right now. Looking for a life-giving church that feels like this. And so my challenge, maybe my encouragement, maybe my joy to you is just to say, hey, will you be that person? And do what Sequoia said. I don't even, how did I make a message around Sequoia? Do what he said is help others around you. If we stay in the raft, we can anticipate the turns and we can adjust to the bumps. We could stay in our local church, the hope of the world. If, if, if we could just focus, I think focus on being here, being present, being a part. Not taking for granted what God has given us in this church. This is not normal. This is unique. Follow your guide. That I believe every leader that's been placed in a church has placed, been placed there by God. That y'all don't know this. You're extremely blessed with a pastor like Todd. With a pastor like Nate. Who, who, who care and want to grow you. Want to get you. Want you to have a great experience. Want to keep you safe. And want to get you to your destiny. And eventually, I think if we can just stay in those two areas, eventually God's going to show you someone who fell out. And when he shows it to you, it's not the pastor's job to get them. It's your job to get them. May we be a church, family driven, right? Mission driven, vision driven, so much so that we get past devil's crack. And all the things he throws at us. And we could stand on the shores one day and go, man, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that good? Wasn't that what God intended for us? And we can all celebrate one day. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, today for the life-giving message of Jesus Christ that's ultimately pushed through the local church. Lord, I thank you for the local church. I thank you that everything that I've had to walk through, God, is because you had a plan and you had a purpose. And Lord, I just pray that, that as people sit in here, maybe they've heard something where they could take their step. Whether they're standing on the shores, only ankle deep, God, maybe they could take a step today to get to their knees. Maybe if they're at their knees, God, maybe they can take a step to get to their waist. Maybe if they're at their waist, God, right now they can jump all in, head all in, and be fully into what God has for them. I know this, that our purpose is found in your purpose through the local church. So I just pray that everybody could have the courage to do that, the wisdom to do that, and that they would do that with all their might. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Give God a hand clap and praise in this place. Come on. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.